This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August 24th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And we're only five more trading days remaining in the month of August. And we know there's been it's been a volatile year, both I'm sure, but both socially, financially for many people, and for the markets as well. Now, a lot of people will say we are in a better place than we were a few months ago, and that's certainly true, and that's a great thing. But that does not mean we aren't without our risks. And the big question in today's market is, what are those risks exactly? It's kind of a confusing time, right? Because you have the tech stocks doing very well, because people were working from home, life was more limited. Now that's kind of turning around a little bit. Things are opening back up. Life's getting a little bit more back to normal. Except for the roughly 15, 20% of the population that remains out of work. And, you know, a lot has happened from a fiscal perspective over the past six months or so. You have the Fed pivot to unlimited QE, which they kind of did in last September anyway, but they issued swap lines. They did a lot to keep the system liquid. They didn't want, they, they can solve a liquidity problem by putting dollars out there into the system and that gets around and those that need it get their hands on the dollars. And that's why you've seen the dollar turn around. And on the fiscal side, you have the government solving solvency issues, right? They kind of went back to the 08 playbook and gave a bunch of bailouts, right? You have the bailouts for the airline industry. You have the PPP loans, which was kind of, uh, which aren't really loans. They were gifts. And when you give companies money who are in, a solvency crisis, suddenly, magically, they're no longer insolvent, at least for the time being, if you give them enough money. So that's a big factor here is you have a weaker dollar, more liquidity, and at least in the near term, governments have solved a lot of the liquidity problems, sorry, the solvency problems. But we know that at the end of July, Unemployment rolled off. Only about 15 states are taking up the extra $400 a week from Trump's executive order. And so what this means is that the fiscal authorities are now have now taken over or should be taking over. And that's the biggest risk here is a policy error on the side of Washington. I think the market is still expecting a deal to get done. And that's why we haven't really seen much volatility, even though it kind of expired. 
Will it though? It's a big question. How will the election play out? Will you have regimes both in the White House and in Congress that are more or less likely to have a policy error? They're more or less likely to pass spending. What is that structure? So that's going to be very important as well. It's how that evolves over the next three or four months now, right? There's going to be a lot that we're going to know over those next three or four months because of stimulus, because of the election. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and today on this program and podcast, I will do my best to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. My goal is to help you develop strategies to deal with volatility, understand the risk you're taking, as well as the rewards, help you find opportunity and avoid pitfalls. So I'm here ready to take your calls right now at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Now here on Best Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Our goal is each and every day, either on Invest Talk or in the office, is to provide unbiased guidance to our listeners and our clients. Practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. And our end goal is to help. Help you, the listeners, help our clients succeed. And we do that together. Now, if you want to sit down with myself or Steve over phone, video chat, whatever, head over to investtalk.com. You can schedule a meeting with myself or Steve. Now, my focus point today concerns a story. One fund manager says stock prices are unsustainable. We're going to give his reason. I think uh, it comes down to narrowness of the market. So we're going to touch on that. Also, foreign stocks. Foreign stocks. A lot of people are saying foreign stocks are a better place to start allocating some capital to, and I don't disagree with that. And a lot of people point to valuations, and I don't disagree with that. But there's also another factor that makes foreign equities more attractive as well. So we're going to touch on that. Next, workers' stakes in businesses. think the thinking around this is evolving. And I discussed this a little bit more, uh, what, maybe four or five months ago, a little bit post-pandemic. There was a Bank of America report. It was very in line with kind of the fourth turning, how 2020 is going to be a very different decade than the previous few. And a lot of change is going to happen. And 2010s were all about shareholders. 2020s are about stakeholders. So we're going to touch on what that could mean for businesses and employees in general. And so that's what's on my mind. Those are the topics that are top of mind for me. But ultimately, I want to know what is top of mind for you. What sectors, what industries, what asset classes? What are you thinking about when it comes to the economy in general? What kind of questions do you have? So ultimately, once again, your caller questions are very, very important. The most important part of this show. 
So while on that note, let's get to our 24-hour listener line. This call came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I just want to say thank you very much for the show. I really appreciate all the information you've taught me. I just have a quick question. I was wondering, how do you ca- calculate cash flow per share? Thank you very much for taking my question. I hope to hear it on the podcast. Thank you. Well, easy. It's just a basic division formula. Take the total cash flow of a business. Now, you could be talking about operating cash flow. How much is the operating, how much is the operating business cash flowing for shareholders? There's also free cash flow, which I think is a little bit more important depending on the industry, but I think a little bit more important because that backs out capital spending, right? Maintaining plant property equipment, for example, reinvesting in the business and also backing out dividend payments. And then you get free cash flow. And then you divide that by the number of shares outstanding. And you get cash flow per share. Hopefully that simplified it for you. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. Steve and I have recorded our answers to 34 voice bank questions, and we answer them in a very fast format. So you can hear the new August Rapid Fire podcast anytime over at investtalk.com. It's free. And you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Invest Talk. And now I'm here ready to take your calls live at 888 chart It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Jake from California. Big fan of the show. Had a question about Callaway Golf Equipment. E-L-Y is the ticker with the pandemic and us not being allowed to do very much golf seems to be one of the only activities going on wondering what you thought about the stock thanks all right looking at callaway golf ely is the symbol this is uh, powered back pretty dramatically hit a low of let's see 52 week low is four dollars 75 cents now we're at 1907 which is still about 14 percent off its 52 week high pre-pandemic and they're expected to lose $1.38 this year and earn $0.80, cents, $0.89 cents a share next year. Now, the last two quarters, even though your thesis is the pandemic has been good for golf, it actually has been bad for sales for Callaway. Last quarter, revenues down 34%, earnings down 84%. Quarter before that, revenues down 14%, earnings down 49%. And that was the first quarter, so only a few weeks of uh, the shutdown. So $1.8 billion market cap, 0.2% dividend yield, nothing, nothing too big. Uh, modest amount of debt. I like that. I like the longer term tailwinds of, of golf when it comes to baby boomers retiring, right? We're in the heart of 10,000 baby boomers retiring pretty much every day, probably even more now that the pandemic is uh, uh, upon us and uh, a lot of people maybe retired sooner than they would have otherwise. And 
that's a positive. I think longer term. I like if you look at its long-term profitability metrics, it tends to be, you know, actually it's pretty all over the place. It's not very consistent. Even in 2011, it was negative 30%. Uh, their, their business is just so up and down and cyclical at the same time. So, you know, at these prices after it's rallied so much, I think it's still a little expensive to be honest with you. Enterprise value to, to revenue is about 1.5 and longer term it trades closer to uh, 0.5, 0.75. Okay. So I think at $10, this is a good buy at $19. It's not, it's too expensive. It's gotten ahead of itself here with this rally. Uh, keep on your watch list. Cause I think it's okay. It has some good secular tailwinds. But I don't like the consistency of the business that it's so up and down. I like consistent businesses and this one definitely is not, but at $10 relative valuation, it would be pretty cheap. Now my focus point today concerns the story. One fund manager says stock prices are unsustainable. His assertion is that we have never seen stock prices at such extremes while they coincide with the current degree of uncertainty. And mainly what he's pointing to actually is that this has been a very narrow rally tilted towards very, very large stock stocks. If you back out the Fang names, let's see what's the stat he had. The stat was basically the Fang names are dragging the markets higher. The index is higher. Whereas the average stock, and I've, I've talked about this on my YouTube videos a few times, is the geometric index is still well below its highs, which is the average equity in the, uh, in the market. We're still, it peaked out about 562 in February and we're at 479. So it's still about 15% below its highs from February. So it's just a very narrow rally, which tends to be not very healthy. Now that doesn't mean you can't keep going in the near term, but ultimately it is a bad sign. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Summer is moving fast and we're all patiently watching the markets. Trying to figure out, are we going to break to new highs and stay there or is this going to be fleeting? We'll talk about it. Your participation is important, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Paul in Alabama. Uh, I've been listening to your past podcast for the past several months. really enjoyed it. I've been following some of your advice and I've built a position in gold and silver over the past few months to the point where it's about 10% of my portfolio. And my question is, is that about the right amount or is it, or am I overweighted into it or should I be buying on the dips and build a larger position? I don't mind some risk, but I don't want to go overboard. So once again, thanks for again. Really enjoy your podcast. All great questions. And Gold has had a big run, silver as well. And I think in the near term, we are in the process of 
the next consolidation pullback period. Uh, we had that in the months of June and July until we broke out, you know, kind of in late July. And I think we're there now that there's a few tailwinds that helped gold and silver that I think are a little, a little tired at this point, right? A weaker dollar, which there's a lot of over positioning for the dollar to continue to go lower. I actually am expecting the dollar to reverse here for at least a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to new highs that we saw back in March, but it was, it's been oversold. So there's that. Number two, real rates, negative real rates have uh, gone very negative and pricing in a lot of inflation that's very positive for gold. So those two kind of have, have run its course in the near term. And like I said, a little tired. Now, longer term, the next big catalyst really is just structurally high deficits. We're going to run somewhere in the four to five trillion dollar deficit this year. And I expect something north of two trillion going forward. And all that's going to mean is more money printing, right? To monetize that debt. And that's why longer term, I think you'll still have it go up. Now, 10% of a portfolio is a decent exposure. Also depends on how you're exposed. Are you exposed to individual equities? The miners, those are going to be a lot more volatile. Are you exposed to individual ETFs like GLD or SLV? Those are going to be a little less volatile and you can handle a little bit more. Also, are you an aggressive investor or are you more moderate, more conservative? You said you don't, you're not afraid of some risks. So I wouldn't mind going higher. I, I would use this time period in the near future to start to continue to accumulate. Do your research on individual companies in the sector that have good management, that have good assets in stable regions, have strong cash flows. Okay. So that's what I would be doing is using this opportunity to continue to accumulate. I wouldn't mind up to 20% of a portfolio uh, in precious metals at all, especially with the bullish longer term outlook for the space. Thanks for the call. 888 chart, 888 Now, speaking of exposure, let's touch on foreign stocks. Now, a weaker dollar tends to be a nice tailwind for foreign equities, right? Because when you repatriate those dollars or those non-dollars into dollars, you're getting more dollars, right? So those currencies that those foreign companies are earning their profits in are worth more. Now, for the last decade, foreign stocks relative to U.S. stocks have underperformed and some are expecting it to outperform in 20 in the 2020s. Now, Morningstar, for example, they're projecting a 10-year annualized return for international developed stocks, 7.4%. Their expectation for U.S. stocks, 1.9%. Now, this is based on the current valuations and longer-term uh, correlations to those valuations and future returns. 
Now, they're looking at valuations, like I said. But another factor that many overlook is the amount of debt these companies are carrying. Companies in the S&P 500 have average debt-to-capital ratios of 45.4%. The MSCI All-Country World Index, XUS, only 32%. So about double the amount of debt in relation to the size of the company in the U.S. versus, sorry, not double, 50% more in the U.S. versus uh, foreign stocks. And if you look at different sectors, it's much worse. For example, consumer staples, foreign stocks, 35% debt to equity ratio. The U.S. counterparts, 55. Consumer discretionary, 27.1 in foreign, 61.7 in the S&P. The only sector where foreign equities are more leveraged than domestic equities is in the communication service sector. So thinking the, the big tech stocks. A lot of cash. There's also a ton of debt. About 50% of all the debt added worldwide on the corporate side between 2008 and 2019 was here in the United States. Grew about 10% per year, whereas only 2% per year for foreign stocks. So not only are they cheaper, but their balance sheets are much better. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear your calls right now at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off the need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial Consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. The calendar tells the story. Summer is moving fast, and the Labor Day holiday will be here soon. But you've got finance and investment questions now. So, Steve and Justin, welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, it's Stephen Cohen from New York. I just had a quick question about Vanguard VSISX. It's a target retirement fund. This fund is specifically for 2050. I'm 35 years old. 
so I'm hoping that my retirement date, uh, not 100% sure if it's going to be, but I just wanted to know what you guys thought of target date retirement funds in general, as well as this one specifically. Thank you guys so much. Great program. Really love listening to it. Take it easy. All right. This is a great, great question because so many people are now being forced into these targeted funds. They're almost being mandated, right? Uh, because the whole goal is to keep the fees as low as possible. And the big fund managers or fund families love this because before, instead of only getting a small chunk of 401k assets, now they're going to get the entire kit and caboodle, right? So the Vanguard Retirement 2050 Fund, for example, this one is invested in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, the Vanguard Total International Stock Index, the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index, the Vanguard Total International Bond Market Index. That's pretty much the whole portfolio, those four funds. And so what this does is it gets these companies to hold on to a lot more assets. Now, does that mean, is that the best strategy? That's the question. Well, if you know fund families, you understand mutual funds and different funds that are out there, you'll know that not, no fund family is great at everything. No fund family has amazing equity analysts and funds. No fund, and then they also have great international funds and also great bond funds. They don't. There's too many other great ones out there. So it'd be better to pick your own funds that can outperform longer term. That would be ideal. But if you're in a 401k, you don't really have the choice, do you? So these aren't the best vehicles in that sense. Also, they have a glide path. That's what Target Dates Fund have. They have a glide path that will push you towards a more conservative strategy the closer you get towards retirement. That's why you have those dates, right? The problem is, is that it completely ignores valuation. Right? We just talked about international exposure. And international exposure being a better place to start allocating your portfolio to. Now, does, does that mean that it's a bad way of doing it? Not necessarily. Glide paths aren't the worst way to do it. It's logical, but it completely ignores valuation. And so you can be allocating to expensive equities or expensive bonds at a time just simply because you need to get more aggressive or you need to get more conservative. And I just don't find that a very attractive way to invest. There's so many structures in the market today that have thrown out valuation have 
thrown the idea of looking for good companies at good values or good assets at cheap prices. And it's just systematically buying. And that's what indexing is. And that's what you're doing within these target fun targeted funds as well. You're mostly just indexing. So I don't love the space. Uh, I think it's better for a lot of people who don't know what they're doing at all. But if you have a little bit of knowledge, you can do much, much better than a targeted fund. Let's go to Mike in here in Southern California looking at Verizon. Hi there, Justin. How you doing? Verizon, you want to, uh, you uh, own it or are you uh, looking to buy it? Yeah, looking to buy it. Um, okay. Kind of taking a, a, a path of uh, Warren Buffett, you know, I use it a lot. Uh, I'm very happy with the service and mm -hmm. uh, it's something I'm familiar with. I'm looking to find out maybe what's a good purchase point for it. Uh, yeah, we actually own Verizon. We have for some time for many clients. Uh, it's a little over bought here, around $59 and change. Uh, 55 to us is a cheap price. Anything 55 or lower is cheap to us. Around 60, you know, you're getting closer to fair value. But that's where my buy point would be around $55 on Verizon. And, and we like it, you know, good solid dividend. And like you said, very high customer satisfaction and thus loyalty. And that's why we like it. Thanks for the call. Let's Great. keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our voice bank. This time, it's a listener from St. Louis who called in earlier on 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Ranij calling in from St. Louis. Uh, thanks for hosting an amazing show. I'm calling to ask about IPO debut. Uh, ticker is RKT, or Rocket Companies, for a long-term hold. Let me know your thoughts, and thanks again for the show. RKT. Well... I don't have uh, a ton of information on it because, uh, like you said, it, it's, a, it's an IPO. Uh, here, here's the issue with IPOs. And I know this because I'm part of private companies and I, I've seen it. IPOs are initial public offering. What that means is this is the first time it's been sold to the public. Well, somebody owns that, right? Somebody owns Rocket Mortgage, a bunch of investors. And if you're, if you've, and you've probably held those shares for a long period of time, those owners, right? So if that's the case, are you going to sell at a cheap price? You've been patient, right? A lot of those insiders, those owners are insiders that have built the company put their blood, sweat, and tears into the business. And so if they're going to sell to the public, are they really going to give you a cheap price? Or are they going to give you an expensive price? What do you think? Put yourself in their shoes. So many investors struggle to do that. Doesn't mean it's a bad, it can be a, it doesn't mean it's a bad investment. They just tend to be relatively poor, at least in the near term. Why? Because they tend to go out pretty expensive, especially in today's market. 8899 chart, 889, uh, sorry, 8899 chart, 889924278. Please give me a call. I, we have about 15 minutes left in the show. 
So get your call in right now. Um, sorry, my computer is freezing up on me right now. So I'm having I'm having some issues. Yeah, my computer is. You don't you hate that? You're on a live show. And so I think we're going to go to a voicemail question right now. 888-99-CHART. My question was for S3 filings. I wasn't very familiar with a stock that I own right now has recently filed for an S3 filing. And I wondered if it was something I should be concerned with in the near future or should I continue to hold long? If you could uh, please answer my question, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. An S3 filing is normally done to raise capital. And they must meet certain criteria to go through this S3 filing. And if a company is raising capital, then yeah, that should be an issue. Why is the company needing to raise capital? Okay, so, and it indicates a, an insider transaction by one of the beneficial owners, usually, usually about 10% or more. And it's usually after the IPO, and it means these shareholders want to sell out. Why? Why are they dumping shares? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. And the answer is, yeah, it's probably a big issue. So I would definitely be weary if a company is issuing an S3 filing. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And yes, the economy is reopening and in phases. And there's a lot of volatility. When it comes to company earnings, the market's not very volatile, at least the last few months. But we know that the market's kind of looking through to next year, expecting a V bottom. The economic numbers aren't really supporting that, though. That's really the big issue here. So if you need help kind of weeding through these markets, your portfolio, developing a strategy, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. We can help you. We want to help you. Whether you're a conservative investor edging closer to retirement or maybe you're a younger worker looking for more aggressive strategies, we can customize an investment strategy designed to help you achieve your particular financial freedom goals while managing the risk. It's the goal. You can get started with a no-cost portfolio review. Just give, me, give myself or Steve Peasley a call. You can go over to investtalk.com and do it there. And now I'm here. I'm ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. 
This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hey guys, this is Will in Atlanta. Love your show. Question for you. I keep hearing, you know, we keep hearing about there being a pullback or a correction on the way. My question to you is historically, when pullbacks or corrections have happened, like what does that mean? Does that mean like just there's one day where just all of a sudden everything drops without notice, or is it a gradual decline type thing? Anyway, I'm just trying to understand exactly what that means. So appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Great question. Uh, if you've studied the markets for an extended period of time, you'll know that there's a saying market takes the stairs up and the elevator down. So typically, corrections are more swift, more sudden. Now, that doesn't mean that they happen out of nowhere. Oftentimes, you'll see some weakness in the market, right? You make lower lows from day to day or week to week. And that means selling is picking up. Distribution, typically you'll see big, wide-ranging candles on a, on a chart on high volume. And if you stack those up, you get multiple days like that, you're dis they're distributing shares into the market. And it's the market isn't absorbing those shares well. Right? And at a certain point, supply overwhelms demand. And you get that strong pullback. And it usually happens quick. Look at February, March. That's 30% in six weeks. Less than that. And there's a lot of newbies in the market right now. Who have, a lot of them got in after February, March. And what those events create also is Selling from people who have profits, right? Taking their profits. The weak hands put money out there in the marketplace or put shares out there in the marketplace and get liquid. Let's go to Adam in Oklahoma looking at Amazon. Adam, you there? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. Okay. Hey, uh, thank you for taking the call. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Uh, younger guy here in my late twenties. Um, a looking at buying Amazon, uh, curious as to what a good entry point would be. And then B does the entry point really matter given that I'm in my late twenties and, and, uh, got a lot of years ahead of me, hopefully knock on wood. Uh, thank you for your, uh, Taking the call, sir. Yeah, no problem. Well, I think when it comes to Amazon, you have to really ask yourself one main question. Are they going to be broken up? Is there going to be antitrust action against Amazon? It's the number one question. Now, if they stay intact the way they are now, I don't see them not dominating. But they're gonna put a lot of people out of business and they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So if that's the case, it doesn't matter. If you think Amazon's going to stay intact, there won't be antitrust action against them. 
I do. I think eventually they'll be broken up into pieces and their profits will be competed away. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, on my morning walk listening to the show and referring to the show that was yesterday on Tuesday. And uh, Steve, on it you said some trivia thing about Microsoft had, you named some really high number, had 20 gazillion outstanding shares. And then you said, do you own any? And I actually do, and I'm on the fence with my Microsoft shares. And you brought that up, implying that that was some big deal. And, but then you never explained what outstanding shares were or what, I don't know what you meant by that. Like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And what exactly are outstanding shares? Uh, you kind of left us hanging there, man. But <laughs> other than that, love the show. And if you can get an answer on that, that'd be great. Appreciate it. All right. Great question on outstanding shares. Uh, Steve probably just assumed everyone knew what that meant. But outstanding shares, every company has a certain number of shares outstanding. Outstanding is, okay, the, this is how many units there are of ownership in the company, right? So if, for example, there are 100 shares outstanding, one share would meet 1% ownership in the business, okay? This is why people are absolutely out of their mind right now when they're worried about stock splits. Oh, the stock is splitting. Just buy it. It doesn't do anything, okay? If, I had a, if you had a $5 bill and I walk up to you and I give you five ones for your $5 bill, do you have any more money? Or do you have the same amount of money? You have the same amount of money. Same thing with a stock split. Five for one stock split. Divide the share, by, share price by five. They're giving you five times as many shares. Increasing the shares outstanding by five times. But your ownership stake in the business is no different. Now, Microsoft has 7.6 billion shares outstanding. They've been buying that back. A decade ago, it was $8.6 billion. So companies can do that. They can go out there in the marketplace and they can buy back those shares, retire some of those shares that are outstanding. So the number of shares outstanding is one share divided by that number. That's the percent of ownership you have in that business when you own one share. So don't get too carried away with stock splits because all they do is change the number of shares outstanding and the stock price. It doesn't change the valuation one iota. I think we can squeeze one more caller question in this time from a listener in Oregon. Hi, my name is Paul from Portland, Oregon. I understand the price per earnings ratios for individual stocks, but how do you apply price per earnings for mutual funds? Do you look at the price per earning for a mutual fund to see if it's overvalued, or do you just bite the bullet and invest in a mutual fund if you like the sectors that it invests in? 
I'll listen to your answer on the show. Thank you very much. Well, the companies that are owned within the mutual fund or ETF, they can in aggregate have a a PE, right? They talk about that with the S&P 500. The PE is X. So individual mutual funds can have that average as well. And Morningstar.com does a good job of explaining that and posting those numbers. When it comes to picking a fund or a mutual fund, though, it's more about the manager, the history of the manager. Like you said, the sector, possibly. I wouldn't utilize PPEs in general as a terrible valuation metric anyway. It's the amateur's valuation metric. It really is. I say this all the time. P is very manipulated. It doesn't include debt. E is earnings, and that can mean a lot of accounting gimmicks. And so stop using PE. Do a little more research. Don't be so surface level with your analysis. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return tomorrow. Please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts for free over at investtalk.com or iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.